number one thing, Elliot. Are you a one or a zero? That's the question you have to ask yourself. Are you a yes or a no? Are you going to act or not? You've been staring at a computer screen way too long, homie. That's not that binary. Isn't it? Sure, there are grays. When you come right down to it, at its core, beneath every choice, is either a one or a zero. You either do something or you don't. You walk out that door, you decided to do nothing, to say no. Which means you do not come back. You leave, you are no longer a part of this. You become a zero. change the world. You become a yes. You become a one. So I'll ask you again. Are you a one or a zero? You're traveling to another radio show. A broadcast not only of sight and sound, but of mind, mind, a journey into the wondrous land whose boundaries are that of the imagination. imagination. That's the on-air sign up ahead. Your next stop, Afro Nerd Radio. With your guides, Dee Bird, Captain Kirk, and on Grindhouse Saturdays, the uncanny Daryl D. And introducing West Coast correspondent, Miss Claire Linnae. Mind expansion engaged. folks i'm your humble host dbert aka the afro nerd and this is not really a balmy evening <laughs> it just isn't it's september 9th and already i can see the seasonal change i, I think it's going to warm up towards the beginning you know of the week of monday of the business week monday tuesday and so forth but for the moment it's a bit brisk outside in no time flat. Last week, we had several days that were in in the 90s, 90s plus, and just at the flip of a switch, it's like 60-something. So anyway, I guess I'm just lamenting the passing of the summer. But we are here, we are live, and we are always direct. This is the Grindhouse edition of Afternoon featuring yours truly and, of course, Captain Kirk. And the uncanny Daryl B, he may be making an appearance. Uh, I saw some, some of his musings on Twitter. So you know how this works. 
We discuss all things blurdy, nerdy, sci-fi, science, technology, most definitely politics. We're, I consider ourselves to have a well-rounded show. The call-in number, 646-915-9620, 646-915-9620. So a chief cog in our machinery deals with urban alternative music, black rock and roll, psychedelic soul, Afro-punk, and, you know, essentially we're not hearing these things. We're not, we're not allowed to hear multifaceted art from our better musicians in the African-American community. I mean, we are pretty much forced to listen to substandard hip-hop. That's what's going down. So I'm coming to your rescue to play some jams that we don't normally hear until at some point they allow it to be heard, just like Black Panther was not allowed to be shown and you saw how that worked out. Anyway, enough, enough of me just kind of on a soapbox. This is Silk 130. When the funk hits the fan. Two minutes. We'll be right back.
All right, enough of that Silk 130, when the funk hits the fan. And when we hit the fan, it's certainly called the Grindhouse. Uh, I thought I missed this gentleman. He beamed up on time, kind of, sort of. Anyway, you know who he is. He is the captain. Captain Kirk, you need it on the bridge. Simple enough. Let's get to it. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its continuing mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before.
Europe, etc., etc. The old man telling you to get off the lawn actually does know something that you don't. That's all I'm saying. Let's get started after that. You know what I say, Cap? <laughs> you know, I've only been um, kind of rebutting the whole go, uh, old man get off my lawn paradigm. I've been rebutting it because, well, you're not supposed to be on the guy's lawn. <laughs> I mean, let, let's keep it 100. I mean, it, it is funny when people say that as if, you know, it's a, it's a few things that go down that, that, um, that are apocryphal in communities of color. We're not, well, even beyond communities of color, you're, even t- you're talking about um, uh, Eminem, even though he's tangentially connected to the to communities, communities of color because he's doing black music. But, um, but the whole premise is there's things that are, that are said as if what's being said isn't legitimate. When someone says, um, what about black-on-black crime, and now that's being used as some kind of pejorative, like – if some, someone uses that and flips that now, you know, to, to kind of put you in a, in a clownish positioning, or if, they try to, if they're trying to put you in an Uncle Tom positioning, even though Uncle Tom was actually a hero in Mary, Mary, uh, Harry Beecher Stowe's uh, Uncle Tom book, uh, Uncle Tom's Cabin, Uncle Tom was actually the hero, but as time has gone on, that, that's been flipped incorrectly. You know, get off my lawn, old man. You know, the, the, the whole imagery of someone with a cane kind of um, shooing young people off of his property. The reality is, and I've been the young person playing football in, in, a, in the neighborhood, and I, well, really, I, have I done that? Because I, I always understood it back then. But I had friends that would just go on somebody's freshly, freshly mowed lawn and, you know, someone would go on. You know, I mean, <laughs> you, if you spent a few hundred bucks or whatever it is nowadays for a landscaping, I mean, this is a little me- meta conversation I'm having with our audience, but I'm keeping it 100. You're not supposed to be on a man's lawn. <laughs> so uh, when, when now when we're, like what the captain was saying, when we kind of uh, make fun or poke fun of someone who has maturity – I mean, it is laughable. It is laughable. And, and in to, to defer to Eminem, Eminem is, is somewhat getting his comeuppance. And I see that the uncanny Daryl B. has arrived. That, and I'm pretty sure with his eidetic memory, he remembers this. Early in Eminem's career, he poked fun. He was, he was the... He, he was the machine gun Kelly at one point. Everyone was. For some reason, he had some kind of bugaboo about Moby. And Moby is, you know, instrumentalist kind of. I mean, he's not, he's not even a, he's not that guy. He's not that guy. But for some reason, he, he came for Moby. And at the time, Moby was just 35. And he, I remember that it, this was a big thing. And he always poked fun at Moby being 35. Now, you're 45, 46, and someone's clowning you, iron of your life. Now, 35 was not that old. It's not 45, 50, 60 in the natural scheme of things. It's really not that old. Human beings really don't live that long in the natural scheme of things. 
turtles and and whales and certain birds got you beat. <laughs> I mean, okay. I, let me get off of this thing. But I'm trying to impart, I guess, some knowledge to the audience that you got you got to come back at these people. You know, your 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 um your rebuttals aren't that good. And when someone clowns you, get off my get off your lawn, old man. That's when they they don't, you don't have anything, do you? You don't have nothing. I got nothing. That's basically what they're telling you. Anyway, let me bring in the uncanny Daryl B. Uh, without the sound effects, he is the the eidetic one. My, our boards are a little screwy, so uh, uncanny. Welcome, sir. As always. Uh, hello, all. Uh, see how long I can last for. Um, but as you bring that up, here's the difference, okay? And I brought this up in a tweet before when referring to Eminem. Sure, M.G. Kelly came back at him. That's cool, all right? Ball is in M's court. This ain't no Pusha T. Drake thing, okay? But when, 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 when it comes up, there is no press release. If M still got it, M will attack right back to MGK. You know, this, this ain't no street thing. This is a battle rap thing, all right? This is a, a quote, beef thing, all right? This ain't no Nicki Minaj and Cardi B at no white fashion show being coons for everybody to oh oh my god you saw what happened oh she throws shoe at her no 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 folks this is rap beef right here this is the beef right here now the difference uh, you brought up the moby thing he attacked moby that sure he did moby wasn't a rapper though it's a whole bunch of other pop idols at that time now m you released something you got at all your critics or all the people you hit back at, somebody hit back at you. I could remember Benzino doing this. I could remember Nick Cannon doing this. I could remember Mariah doing this. Okay? And you came back at them and you ended them. All right? <laughs> at least in the beef thing, you ended them. It took Benzino, he was crushed. Cannon, it took him what? He 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 could. He, it took him years to respond to you for that. Which you know what? Mariah got him, man. Mariah got him on that, though. <laughs> no, 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 no. Here, here it is. You can say an obsessed is the best comeback to M perfectly, but I remember the warning, where where M used her own uh, voicemails to him in the song, coming back at her. The trick was with that is time. Because, quote-unquote, hey, M, M wasn't commercially viable or whatever. That Everybody loves obsessed. So, you know, that's why it goes down as a kind of victory for Mariah. But if you listen to the warning, you know, everything that she said M lied about, the voice tapes were in there. Here, here it is. MGK came back at him. All right? M, ball in your court, game on the best part for folks that don't understand these new these new jacks and stuff don't understand about hip-hop for us fans i will go to krs1 and mc shan the best part was hearing how creative the beef made the uh, the attacker or the attackee where where you had to go to another level to come back i am mgk 
arguably has done the battle rap against you right here, right now, went at you. Let's see what you got. I mean, we heard from Bazaar. We heard from Joe Budden about this. Yo, they're, they're all like, oh, they're waiting on the M comeback. I'm waiting on the M comeback. Let's see what he's got. And with that, that's probably the best part of the week for me coming up here outside of what happened on Netflix. So let's roll with this. Yeah, let me say something quickly. Um, well, first of all, Eminem is going to get this one because the catalyst for the exchange, uh, he has a certain level of rightness in it. Um, his, you know, what it boils down to is that MJ, uh, Machine Gun Kelly says something untoward about Eminem's daughter. Now, Eminem's daughter is an adult now, but at the time, at the time that he said that, uh, his daughter was a minor. He said something like, you know, his, his daughter is, is, he tried to say uh, no disrespect, but he basically said, you know, his, his daughter is attractive, but in a very lascivious kind of way on Twitter. So he said that, now if she said it as she's a full-grown woman, which she is now, I think that I don't, I don't think he would have any ground to stand on. But at the time he made that tweet, like 16 years old. Now, a father is, you know, a father who we know famously on wax. Um, Eminem has no problems with, with critiquing his own family and or protecting his own family. He's been Haley. We know about Haley intimately as an audience because she's he's very protective of his of his girl. No, he's not gonna come out. He's not come out of this well, Machine Gun Kelly, because when you go into it, Eminem is right for protecting his daughter for someone saying something slick about her as a minor. It's over. <laughs> no, it's done. That catalyst is a little too strong. The parent-child relationship is an excellent catalyst. We see what we got Batman from that. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's true. And that's it's true. what it is. And like, I, and like I said, I'm not saying that I. I'm honestly, to tell the truth, I'm a fan of both of their rapping styles. Folks that know me know how much I love Eminem's rapping style. I may not love the subject matter, but in a sea of mediocrity, he has a rapping style that's up there, you know, and, and folks can argue with me all they want about that. But when you look at the mainstream rapping or what they quote unquote call rapping right now, M as a lyricist goes far beyond that, right? MGK has got that, that, that hustler, that street, like, like hustle, I, I want to say hustle, but I want to say that street moxie. Since the, uh, since young in Cleveland and stuff, I latched on cool. He's got that. These are two rappers I like. I want to see this because it's going to force them both up to raise their game, and hopefully they become something better. I know M can get better. Okay, there's there's a lot of guys, and I call it the Metallica disease. All right, Metallica disease, I think uh, Captain knows this. When Metallica released something commercially viable, all of a sudden Metallica sold out. Oh, they're not how they used to be. Yet, yet people are singing their songs. Oh, oh no, no, no. They, they sold out. They sold out. Long, uh, it's almost with M, people saw him going to rehab, uh, make amends with his mom, or try to at least. 
uh, try to clean himself up a little bit. And they go, well, these are the worst albums he's done. He should have never went into rehab. You know, like, oh, oh, why, why are you cleaning yourself up? Well, this, this last album, which uh, kudos to the shout-out to Beastie Boys, by the way, or the homage to Beastie Boys with the cover, that was ingeniously insidious. You know, M took it to a place where it showed while M was on the sidelines, out of the public eye, he's like, oh, that guy said something about me? Okay, that guy said something about me? That guy said something about me? Oh, that's what she's doing? Okay, no problem. I got it. I got it. I got it. And if people remember the 60 Minutes interview, he has this lockbox with all of these lyrics and all these songs he's never used. And I guarantee he put that list in the lockbox and went, when I'm ready to get back into the game, I'm going to open it up and we're going to cause some chaos. Well, that's what he did. And... To MG Cray's credit, if you're a street rapper, if you're a battle rapper, and someone comes out at you, you respond right away. And he did. And I give him total credit for it. All right? But as Afriner just said, you put his daughter in your mouth. I'm, I'm not uh, talking sexually. I'm put, uh, yeah, I'm talking about rappingly. You you, you you opened that door. Just like Drake did with Pusha, once you get personal, once it's not about money, once it becomes family involved, rules go out the window, son. So, MGK, what's going to happen? I'm going to enjoy it creatively, but if you're at the same place with M, good luck with this. That's all. Um, folks, again, this is the grindhouse. We always talk about so many things. That's what the grindhouse really means. So, um, believe it or not, we got to some kind of. I, I know Daryl and and um, and the captain are going to be able to dig deep in this one. Somehow, I, I got into some kind of exchange. I, I don't know what was going on there, but an exchange about Burt Reynolds. The great Burt Reynolds passes at the age of eighty-two, and I have to admit, I felt something. Because you start to realize that these people who've always been in your ether for decades, that even if you weren't necessarily focusing on them, they had to – that if, as long as they were around somewhere I – mean, this is like crazy stuff. Maybe people understand where I'm coming from. I'm just going to say personally. <clears throat> Burn Reynolds has been such a part of our lives <clears> – <throat> excuse me – part of our lives for so long that even as, as an older person – we remember him so, so fondly, or I, I do, as being a part of pop culture. Of your, you start to realize that these people really do add something to your life, to your life. Why, am I, why can't I speak? To your life, pardon me, to your life. Um, and I even, I even got a call from the captain's predecessor, Mr. Starks, a.k.a. Iron Man. And... The, the audience knows we have this whole thing about masculinity <laughs> because we see that, 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 that what we know to be the definer of masculinity, there are, there, there's a faction out there that are trying to dis- discredit, deconstruct, and dismantle. Now, I, I, look, I have nothing against – I don't know how many times I have to say this. I have nothing against other definitions of masculinity, but what is the problem with – maintaining the traditional lane and let there be other lanes coexisting with it. 
There's Earth 1, there's Earth 2, there's Earth 3. Okay? So anyway, Burt Reynolds passes, and I'm talking to Iron Man, and we're both, we both decided very easily, wow, you know, Burt Reynolds probably added something to our definer of masculinity. You know, we didn't really think of it so uh, psychically. So we put down a list, and we figured, we figured out, <laughs> this is how we kind of, <laughs> this is how we kind of like pump up, pump up our own chest. But I told, the, I told Iron Man, I said, you know, this is probably why we act the way we do, because we had Jim Kelly, Burt Reynolds. We had Sean Connery, we had Jim Brown, who I mentioned incessantly, Fred Williamson, Lee Majors. You know, I mean, these are the people that define what we what we saw as like manliness. So I felt I felt something where Burt Reynolds died. So I'm on I'm on Twitter, and I'm saying, listen, Burt Reynolds is a template for what we define as the modern action star. And I got pushback on this. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? So I'm getting people like Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell is in there too. Yeah, he's he's in that mix. But I remember him as a child star making that transition. But, you know, his seminal role has a lot to do with, with, uh, you know, with Snake Plissken, Escape from New York. But Burt Reynolds had 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 a, a good run in the 70s going into the early 80s as being this comedic action star. He had a certain kind of roguish, witty thing about him. He was, he was an athlete that got injured early on in his career, and then he made a transition into, into acting. He had a certain type that we see, that we see today, like that kind of snarky, I got you, Bugs Bunny. I'm bringing him in there too. Bugs Bunny. I'm going to beat you in the end, comedy and kind of a virile, virile spirit. That, what you see today, the DNA is, is, is led from Burt Reynolds. So people brought up John Wayne. They brought up uh, Clint Eastwood. And those guys had their own thing also. But Burt Reynolds was distinct from those guys. So enough of me talking. I'm going to pass the mic around. Let me go to the captain and then, of course, to the uncanny. But I think I'm on to something because I kept on looking because I'm, I'm accustomed to saying things from some knowledge. So I'm looking at stuff. Thing online pretty much corroborated what I said. Anyway, Captain, your thoughts on Burt Reynolds. Well, here's the thing. One movie in particular, the 1974 version, not the 2005 version, with Adam, uh, with Adam, Adam Sandler. Sandler. Mm-hmm. Not that version. The 1974 Longest Yard. I remember playing football out in the street when I was like 13 years of age. And I said, no, we was playing on the grass. We was playing, uh, we was playing tackle. I said, let that big cat through. I was playing, football, playing on quarterback. Let him through. I threw the ball. In the movie, he lets the big man through, the big linebacker, who actually, well, I think it was Ray Nisky, who actually played real football. <clears throat> he lets him through and throws the ball in his nuts twice. I ain't do that. I let the guy through. I said, let him through. I threw the ball as hard as I could in his face. Boom. That was it. He was done for the game. He was still playing. I got that right from the movie, man. <laughs> I said, yeah, boy. That was it because he was crushing us, you know? 
We were like 13. He was like 17 years of age. He was making all of these plays. I'm like, crazy, man. I said, this is how we're going to stop him, man. Longest yard, baby. You understand? That was my movie. That's a masculine movie, that movie there. Not the, not the 2005 one so much. You know, you got some masculinity going on with it. But that 1974, that was my joint. And, of course, I didn't see it in 1974. I saw it a few years later. You know, it was a delay in those days before it came to TV. It just didn't come to TV like that. You had to wait a while, like two, three years, and it come to, your, you know, ABC or whatever like that. So that, that also the Smokey and the Bandit films, if I'm, not, if I'm not mistaken. Also, too, those were pretty big, you know, <clears throat> with uh, Mr. Burt Reynolds. Those were very impactful. You know, snatch up the girl, and, you know, you run around and everything. It, 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 it was a masculine thing. It was just a masculine thing of our mythos was embedded into your means as you're growing up. When you're, when you're young like that, you're very impressionable. So these things, men, it's a real men stuff. They're very impactful, you know. They're actually training you also along with your parents, what you're viewing and everything else. And he was definitely part of that with, you know, what I came up with. So even to this day, there's certain things I gravitate towards. I saw these people on the screen. You know, there's certain things that I just like. I go, ah, I don't like that, man. I like this here. You know, that's what I grew up seeing. That's just what that's just what it is, man. So, you know, he's going to be missed, you know. He's definitely going to be missed, man. Definitely impactful in my life. You know, back on key after, man. Yeah, uh, I want to hear from, from the Uncanny. Let me just add something else again. You know, um, he started out in TV with Gunsmoke. And then, you know, of course, we saw him in Deliverance. In Deliverance holds up rather nicely, even to this day. Uh, an extremely impactful film, a frightening, a frightening film. Film. I don't think Ned Beatty ever, uh, you know, ever uh, recovered from what happened to him. I mean, spoiler alert! It's like a forty-plus year spoiler alert. But he gets raped by hillbillies, squeal like a pig. That famous line that people to this day use comedically. But it was a frightening thing. You know, the whole Appalachian situation. I mean, we, we've seen Deliverance, we've seen Deliverance copied multiple times on screen. So, I mean, Burt Reynolds, I mean, when you go into like, again, even a superhero genre, all that stuff, look, I'm not going to take anything away from John Wayne because all those guys had their own style. I mean, I, I'm a big Cary, Cary Grant fan. I mean, everyone has a style. You know, but Burt Reynolds has to be given something. But as far as, like, the action element of it and, and the action, action with the roguish kind of thing going on, that is kind of, that's kind of specific to him. Um, and, you know, look, the Cannonball Run movies I thought were, were just hilarious. You know, we, we got a, a, a taste of the, of the Rat Pack with, with uh, Dean Martin and those guys, and the outtakes were hilarious. You know, the way that uh, I, even, I even spoke to uh, Iron Man and said that uh, off, off air, how we get down comedically, even with the captain, all of us, how we speak, which it should be, which, would, which, would, would, which the audience would probably get a taste of if we ever get this after nerd, after dark thing going on. It might be dangerous to have a show like that. Uh, <laughs> a lot of our shenanigans are very similar to the outtakes that, that you can still see to this day with the Burt Reynolds film. So... But the, the, the pushback I got when people brought in Bruce Willis and all these people, I mean, it's Bruce Willis, oh, even Arnold Schwarzenegger said, and Arnold Schwarzenegger has his own lane. 
Arnold Schwarzenegger said, hey, you know, look, Burt Reynolds was the template. I mean, everyone agrees with that. But, but people telling me that – and I mentioned all these other people that, you know, Burt Reynolds had, had a, was, a, it was a bona fide movie star. And anyone who's familiar with what was going on in the 70s and 80s and how he was always on Johnny Carson's couch and the interplay. And he, he, was, he was a personality. He was a star. He was that dude. You know, he dated uh, Dinah Shore as a younger person. That was scandalous. She was like 20 years his senior. Uh, we know of a relationship with Mary Tyler Moore, which he regretted, I think, up until his dying day, that that was, that was the one. I mean, Lonnie Anderson – there's just little things that this guy was kind of out. This, this guy, you know, how do I know so much about Burt Reynolds? How do I know so much? You know what I mean? How do I know about Burt Reynolds? Burt Reynolds was a superstar, unquestionably. Anyway, uh, Daryl, what are your thoughts about Burt Reynolds? I think Captain used the right word, embedded. All right? I come from a different place than you guys do. Okay? When, when, I, was, when I was growing up, my focus were the, the, the kung fu movies of, like, the Wu-Tang-type mo- movies there and, 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 and anime and cartoons, you know? I, I occasionally dipped into the, the movie genre and, and stuff like that. I saw the cannonball runs. I saw stuff like Hopper, you know? I, I saw what uh, but Burt Reynolds... All I took him for was a superstar, uh, a movie star, a superstar. You, you know, I read through these various arguments on Twitter as I'm stuck at work that you guys have. I, I, always, I always say to myself like this, you guys are coming from different places, all right? That's true. And, That's true. and you are not going to change the other. Every time you guys get into these arguments, I'm like, you're trying to change the other when they got different building blocks that yep. is making them up. You can't change each other. All you can my say DNA is, is different. <laughs> exa- exactly, Cap. Here is my idea. Here is your idea. Let's just agree to disagree. I have never heard you, Hugh, Ben Hameen, Aunt Pooh, I've never heard any of you four, because I'm bringing you four up, because it's usually you four that are in these arguments that I'm I not in them arguments. Don't put me in uh, there. I'm not in there. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I said Q, him, okay. as in D-Bert, Aunt okay. Pooh, DJ Ben Hamid. All right? I see you four doing this. And I've never said, let's just agree to disagree. I might have seen it once. All right, but whether it be this, whether it be the pansexual thing, whether it be <laughs> what your standards of masculinity are, everybody grows up different. There's a different type. There's a different slot base for each of these things. Okay, Burt Reynolds heralded a genre. All right, and and from Burt Reynolds. I got BJ and the Bear. From Burt okay. Reynolds, I got Dukes of Hazard. Exactly. From Burt okay. Reynolds, all right. From Burt Reynolds, I got things that eventually led up to Grand Theft Auto, and and that's true um, too. And, that's true and too. Need for Speed, and you know, and, and, and Fast and Furious. 
All right? Because well, I can make the argument, without Cannonball Run, you don't get Knight Rider. Without Cannonball Run, I brought up Need for Speed and Fast for Furious. You don't get you that. That, that is the genre he came from, or he, he begat. But I could also say I could go past Burt Reynolds and go to Steve McQueen. Because, mm. you know, because Steve McQueen played it much more stoically, but Steve McQueen was that that Burt Reynolds committified later, uh, comically fied. But Dow, the, the issue I have with these vortexes, which I'm going to get out of, is uh, you, 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 if you, if you find yourself, look, you mentioned some things that are just straight up facts. These are not, inter- this yeah. is not to be interpreted. See, my, my problem is, isn't that we may have a degree, we may have a disagreement about like um, opinions or something. But when we get into the facts, like you laid out the facts there, okay? Somewhat these these people, some of these people will dis, will discredit you based on what you just said. Like this is stuff that's 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 someone who studies uh, pop culture, who studies history, that studies the cinema. They're not gonna they're not gonna dispute you. See, what my issue is, I can I can write. You and I are writers. We're writing this stuff. We're we're doing the research, and nine times out of ten. The things that I know just as memory and, and through experience, I can look it up. I'm not gonna, we're not going to do a show, and you said this before also. Our show is based on a lot of facts. That's why a lot of people are, like our show. We get, we get, I get the feedback. We get the Patreon. People are not going to contribute to, a, to something they feel rings false for them. When people, look, when people uh, go into our shows, these shows are actually educational tools. Because we're not talking from solely opinion. You can look this stuff up. So I, I don't. I find I. I guess I got to get out the vortex because these people, when I hear them, I see some things. I catch. Okay, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. This is just a feeling. There's feelings yeah. and then there's facts. You're entitled to your. You're entitled to your opinion, but you're not entitled to different facts. That's all well, I'm saying. They're like winding you up, man. They're like winding you up after. Well, yeah, they, they get that part. They let's play go, let's games go to, with you. Let's go to Sergio. A pers- a Sergio. Hold, on, hold on, let me say one thing. Let me say one thing. Okay. Say one all right. Thing. So Dow sparked it. When he said Dukes of Hazzard. Dukes of Hazzard was my joint to my brother, older brother, put me on to the flag on the car. Now they ruined it for me. Yeah, that was a I problem. Was going, and I said, oh, man. Well, I'll go. I'll go the other way with it. Dukes of Hazard sparked my love for NASCAR because from Dukes of Hazard, I, I I I followed I followed Cale Yarborough through, and I followed okay. him over to the actual races. So, That's but perfect. then years later, watching Dukes of Hazard, I see that that Confederate flag on top of it, and you know, as a kid, you're not really noticing that. You're just seeing uh, you cool car. It. Cool jumps, but when you're a teenager and now you see that symbol on top of the car and stuff, you're just like, I was watching this. What the hell? You know? Again, it's easy to have facts. It's easy to have feelings. But when they become intertwined, you got to learn how to manage them. And that's the whole point of that. Go ahead, Afrin. Okay. 
Yes, I got to mention one, something real quick, too, that was pretty interesting. Just to show you how things people are influenced by stuff. Kind of what Captain just, just said, that all of us dug that uh, 1969 Charger, right? Uh, it's iconic. Mm-hmm. It's like the Batmobile. I mean, there's certain, that car has, has pop culture value, pop culture uh, credentials. Um, Gary Dordan of the CSI franchise, who played Warwick Brown on CSI, I remember seeing an episode of, uh, I don't know what, what, what car show it was, one of those car rehab shows, and he purchased, a, he purchased two cars, a new Charger and the 69 Charger, and what he did is he had, because he had enough money to do this, he put the Charger, um, the old Charger on top of the new Charger frame, and he put, you know, when he explained what he wanted, he said he wanted uh, a similar confederate flag and they gave him a look like you want a confederate flag on top of your car because it's a charger but what he did is he put the jamaican flag on top of the car he made sure that because he said because they gave him that look like yo man you know you know you you know i see you right but he said no i i know i know what time it is let's not get it twisted so he had he has a a a like a wild green it's even green the car is a green charger with the jamaican flag on top of the car so he has his own version of the charger from the dukes of hazard let's go to sergio we got to keep it quick sergio from shy town our resident cineast i'm pretty sure he can speak on this uh serge what's up man what are your thoughts about burt reynolds and and is it is it in dispute as to what we don't he's not the greatest actor. We're not talking about his acting ability, but what he brought to the game as a, as a bona fide movie star. What are your impressions on his, of his passing? Well, first, I dispute that. Uh, Burt Reynolds, when given the chance, when he had a good script, could be a very, very good actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, you made a mistake. It wasn't Murray Tyler Moore. It was Sally Field. Oh, I'm sorry. Thank you. I'm, I'm speaking to Murray. Yeah, Sally Field. Thank you. And first of all, I go, I go way back with Burt Reynolds. I go back to Dan August. That mm. TV show he did back in the late 60s, produced by Martin Quinn, where he did some of the most fantastic stunts. He did work as a stuntman. Uh, I think that's one of the main reasons why he had so much physical trouble um, in his last few years. I mean, his body took a beating. And, you know, infamously when he's doing that one film in Eastwood when he, his, he broke his jaw. And that kind of started the downturn of his part of his career and also his health. But I want to say that Burt Reynolds has said this to me at the end of an era. You really do not have action stars like him anymore. We used to have a lot of them. Now we don't, which is one reason why you don't really see a lot of action films anymore. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm, no, I'm not discounting, no, I'm not talking about superhero movies. I mean real action movies. No, we know about like, the, like Fallout. We know the distinction. Right, yeah. like Fallout, because you just don't have the actors a who can do it, be good, be good at it, and can be convincing in those roles. I can't even think of black actors mm. who could probably do something like maybe Ildris, maybe, you know, but you just don't have it anymore. And by the way, Burt uh, uh, Reynolds was extraordinarily versatile. Uh, I mean, I mean, he did everything. I mean, people talk about smoking a bandit. People forget about uh, starting over which is a really wonderful romantic comedy he made. Uh, 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 what's the movie? I think it's really one of his best. Sharky's Machine. Oh, yeah, that was good, too. That was, that was a hell of a picture. 
And Deliverance, Deliverance, which I saw in the theater when it first came out. I'm dating myself. The thing about Deliverance, Deliverance is is very much an attack. Well, I shouldn't say attack, but a comment on toxic masculinity, as they call yeah. it today. Here true, these yeah. guys are going out trying to macho it and <laughs> realize they ain't so macho. Particularly yeah. Burt Reynolds' character. Yeah, who, um, you know, struts around, and then by the last third of the movie, he's literally crying like a baby. It, he, you know, when he doing his run, which wasn't as long as some other actors, but when he was in his prime, from the early 70s to about the mid-80s, he was untouchable. And yeah. he had true charisma. True charisma. You loved him on the screen. Well, you, 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 you know... He had this impish quality about him. That, that's what I'm getting that, at. And I, I'm, I'm trying to explain yeah. to these people what the term roguish is. And then people are telling yeah. me, well, can we can, – let, let, let me tell you what I'm dealing with. Shout, shout out to um, John Hutton. I know but, what dealing with. But, you know, but what he's saying it says to me, when I say what roguish is, he says, well, we have to expand the, expand the definition of roguish. Roguish is in a dictionary. Roguish is what roguish is. Why am I – Yeah, I don't know what you mean by that. Why are we expanding? Some things are clearly... What did I tell you about that before? Off-camera, what did I tell you about that before, man? Come on, man. But why, are we, why are we expanding, changing, and... Some things are clearly defined. When, when, when the synonym for, for roguish is impish, isn't it? Yes. Sergio, come, Sergio comes right in. So I just, as, he, as Sergio was speaking, though, I will say one person came to mind because now I'm going through my Rolodex. He never uh-huh. actually came. He never actually came came to the same uh, star quality, but he's one of my favorite actors. Um, James Caan, who was a contemporary, might come close to that kind of actor, but he still didn't necessarily uh, reach the same height. Even though he's definitely within his own lane, so James Caan was close to kind of that style. But well, someone who also came guy. close, someone who also came close, who also has extreme versatility, it has been mentioned before, is Kurt Russell. Well, yeah, that's true, Big too. Trouble in China. You know, and Kurt Russell, uh, as of late, has, been, has had a real career resurgence. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just not Guardians, but he's in um, uh, Death Proof. And uh, he's, uh, I mean, he's given a real career insurgence. Bone Tomahawk, an extremely unusual violent Western that he made that didn't get a lot of play. But you should take a look at that. Hateful Eight, Eight, of course. And by the way, uh, Burt Reynolds' last film role will be in Tarantino's new movie. Yeah. uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. He just completed some scenes um, at least a month and a half ago. So he was still working up until the end, you know. Yeah, it, it, um, it, it's unfortunate, but um, I, I look. Yeah. Everyone's entitled to their opinion, but I think that you know the iconography of Burt Reynolds has to be kind of. It is what it is, and I'm just saying. I'm not saying he's the. You know, he like the other people that mentioned like John Wayne's and all those people. Of course, they're action stars, but but there's, there's a certain style quality. Stylistically, he has a certain lane, that comedic action thing both doing comedy and action, that's kind of his lane. And like you said, his, his, the believability, the fact that he came in as an athlete, which, and actually you can come in, you know, the Alex Karras and all those people who made the transition from football 
uh, even someone like Kurt Russell, who was a baseball player who made the transition. But see, right. uh, I, I have a certain affinity for Kurt Russell because Kurt Russell came was a child actor who came in in the Disney machine. So when you, you right. saw his, you saw him being able to to kind of mature in the industry, and you see that he has real acting chops. I can't take take anything away from him, especially in Hateful Eight. Is when I saw, wow, you know, Kurt Russell is a hell of an actor, but he's kind of gotten to this kind of thing where he's he's, he's older and he's a, he's a great kind of um, journeyman actor. He's he, he's a great he's great as a character actor, you know. Um, Gene Hackman was one of my favorite actors, but he was the character actor kind of guy. And those are the guys you look at more closely. But, hey, I think Burt Reynolds, is, is, he, he's entitled to his due. So, I mean, you know, I'm not, I'm, not go, I'm not going to engage these people on Twitter anymore because it's like I, I, I know too much. <laughs> so well, you know, and also the other, thing too, the, the other thing, too, is that we really don't have – we're losing – Actors, and this goes for actresses, with personalities. Mm-hmm. Um, like I always joke, and I'm not joking. I, I mean, I'm referring to white actresses. I can't tell Emma Stone from Anna Ferris from any of these white actresses. They all look alike. They all look exactly alike. They're all, they're all tiny and small with small breasts and big eyes. I can't tell one from the other. Well, and, but, and, you were, and we used to have actresses who one was distinctive, one was distinct, one was distinctive from another. Same with actors, one was distinctive from a. Oh shit! Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, folks. I was reading the text. I'm sorry. Well, <laughs> my fault. Oh, my I, bad. All right. All right. Well, he does that. Let, let me just say it like this: A great actor has left the building. You can choose to remember them how you want to remember them, but there's no de- denying the catalog, there's no denying the style, and there's no denying the impressionable memories that Burt Reynolds had. He met a lot of things to a lot of people. All right. All I ask is when we have these remembrances of these people, like Aretha before him, like anybody that's passed this year, all right, uh, when, when when you hear somebody else talk, and this is not just to Debert, this is this is to everybody that's arguing. All right, keep in mind you all have different personalities and knowledge bases. Okay, just like any debate, your opinions are valid. All right, but we're not clones and we're not robots. But you know what? You know who wasn't a clone or a robot either? Burt Reynolds. Condolences to your family, condolences to your fans, and thank you for the memories, sir. All right, look, there's well a couple done, things guys. I gotta mention a couple things I gotta mention, you know, because people are passing. <laughs> and this is kind of ironic because uh uh the captain has likened me to this to this character, and even this gentleman has left the building. Actor Bill Daly, um Major Roger Healy. You know, Captain has seen me uh interact with women and I get a little giddy when there's an attractive woman around, uh or a little uh <laughs> Well, let's say Giddy. I, I don't. There's something else you can call me. But he likened me to Major Roger Healy. So uh, you know, with a heavy heart, um, because he's part of the part of the, the of uh, TV comedic history. 
uh, Bill Daly of I Dream of Genie and also of ALF. He played Dr. Larry Dykstra on ALF. Uh, he passes at the age of 91. So, I mean, well, respectfully, you know, this is a good run. It's, it's a good run. But, um, you know, look, we, can never, we never know when we're going to leave the building. I just spoke about a gentleman that's, um, that visits his wife. I mean, this is how funny how, how your body and how DNA and, 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 you know, just everyone's different. But this gentleman that's upstate, that his story went viral, a, a, a gentleman of African descent that lives, when I say upstate, he lives in uh, Rochester, I believe, and his wife is ailing, and he refuses to take uh, public transportation. He walks six miles every day. He's a former Marine to visit his ailing wife, and he's 99. And at 99, his gait is strong. He does push-ups. And when people see him locally and say, listen, I'll give you a lift, he says, listen, I don't want a lift. I need to see my wife, and I want to, I want to have my thoughts. I want to be focused. I have to look at that and say, hey, i got to look at myself differently. That's another thing when I, when I hear people talk about, you know, get off, get off your lawn, get off my lawn kind of attitude. I'm like, this man is 99 and doing push-ups and visiting his wife and walking with full faculties. Other people, I just, I just heard that uh, Tim Conway, the great Tim Conway from the Carol Burnett show, is going through dementia, and he's 84. So at, so, at 80, so at 84, his family's fighting to figure out how to deal with this person. At 84, someone who was 15 years his senior is jogging and doing push-ups and walking six miles, six miles a day. How do you explain that difference? So that's, that's, what, that's the kind of thing that goes in my head. My, that's how my brain is wired. It's like this. People are really different on some level, and a lot of it has to do with brain power. What I try to impart to our audience is you can do a lot of, of, of thinking out of your situation. And unfortunately, many people of color were so emotion-driven that sometimes you've got to take a, take a beat and figure out your situation. That's all I'm asking. Just to think a little bit and have a little bit more facts. But at 99 doing, doing uh, push-ups, man, I, got, I think people need to start thinking their way out of certain situations. Anyway, uh, Bill uh, Daly passes. Mac, also, we'll go, to, we'll go to 703. Mac Miller, the rap artist. Uh, one of my colleagues asked me about Mac Miller and you know, asking my familiarity with the artist. And, yeah, I knew about Mac Miller. I played Mac Miller on the show. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I was aware that he dated um, Ariana Grande and, you know, 26 years old, you know, that purple drink. <laughs> that purple drink, I don't know if that's specifically I know he's known for that It's unfortunate because he was a multi-instrumentalist And he was uh, another White rap artist Of skill And you know That's, that's another thing about being young You know you, you, we, we, We're being clowned for being older But then You're out of here In your 20s Pick your poison, literally Literally pick your poison all right, let's go to 703. Uh, Captain, can you, can you get that? My, my board is kind of sticky. All right, let me see what we got here. 703, welcome to Africa. Hello, gentlemen. <laughs> Hello. This is, this is Bites for Life. How are you gentlemen doing? How are you doing, Bites? Very well. Your, your Very boys well. recovered after yesterday? <laughs> 
Well, I'm a little little disappointed right now. The Mystics lost, so another Washington team may not get a championship. So it is what it is. Hey, well, I'm going to do you... something, general. I'm not going to be specific, you know, because of vanity. So I'm going to ask a question of you. <clears throat> if anybody's over the age of 35, say yes. 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 Okay. Does anybody over the age of 40 say yes? Let's, let's not play any yes. games. <laughs> Go ahead. No, no, Let's no. Go make no, a point. Hear me out. This is what, this is what I'm Now, we got, a brand, we got a brand here to save, sir. Go ahead. We, we've already been accused of a, being a podcast of, of older men. So let's, let's just make the point. <laughs> you got to embrace it. Anyway. No, I'm not doing that. You know, Go ahead. Bert, <laughs> Bert, Bert Reynolds is of uh, a, a certain generation. I was just going over his um, page, IMDb. He was working up to the end. Yeah. I mean, he reinvented him. He reinvented himself um, from deliverance. He wanted to be the second coming of certain stars. That didn't quite work out. <clears throat> I mean, I'm just the reason I asked the age thing. I was going to believe it or not. I went to see Bad News Bears two. Oh, so I'm yeah. giving away. Okay. This is a while ago. Okay. And smoking the banner was in the same theater, so I said, "No, nah, let me go see this." I had no idea it would be such a huge hit. But one thing I can say about Burt Reynolds, I wasn't a stan. I wasn't necessarily a fan. He was just one of those guys who was just there. He exactly. was always big, but he was—I think he was like a precursor of Matthew McConaughey. Now, just hear me out on that. Burt Reynolds played football at Florida State. Mm-hmm. Yes, he did. Yep. And he was that guy. He would be on sidelines at big games. He would be in Monday Night Football booths. I mean, he was one of those. He was an actor that had a sports past. So before it was fashionable, he was at Hollywood. He sort of brought that Hollywood glamour to you know college football and pro football. And you know, so I have Matthew McConaughey was you know hanging out at Texas um, sidelines and that sort of thing. So he was one of the first. Actors that I can remember. That's why I was asking the age thing. When he sort of melded the two. Um, but, well, it's Jim know, Brown. That, you know, actors, Jim Brown. Yeah, Jim Brown. I, I know. I mean, you're definitely right on that. But Jim Brown was sort of when he sort of left. He he sort of slammed the door. You know, <laughs> where. <laughs> no, but he 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 was he started making movies while he was still playing. I know, but he left. When I'm, when I'm talking about Sergio, he, when he left, he left. I mean, he walked away, um, you know, young. And, you know, they want him to come back. He said, I'm done. And, I mean, that's another thing. I mean, I can go into that because, um, you know, he was supposed to be in the same backfield with Ernie. Um, I'm having a blank right now. I want to say Ernie, the first black person won the Heisman Trophy. Yeah, I know. I forgot. They, did, they did a movie on him. Yeah, it was a Davis, movie about him. Yeah. But, but I mean, that's why I respected Burt Reynolds for because he but he reinvented himself and then here comes Boogie Nights and he gets another sort of uh, renaissance. So I, I I have to give tip my hat to that where in Hollywood where careers sometimes only last years. Sometimes careers are months. Um this guy's been around like you said, almost what, since the early sixties, late fifties? Yeah, yeah, and and I I I'll also say this, okay? Uh, I know a couple of years ago was big 
like the most interesting man in the world. You know, that sort of thing. To me, mm-hmm. Burt Reynolds was that, if there was an American version of that, it was Burt Reynolds. You know, I, I'm not one to be with the rich and to the to-do. Burt Reynolds was the every every man or the everyday man or the, the normal guy that was thrust into stardom, but like a chameleon, he was able to remake himself, as Bison just said, with the times. He could go from starring opposite Dolly Parton to, to, to hamming it up with Dom DeLuise to coaching Mark Wahlberg on how to work his junk right to, you know, to being on screen with Miss Piggy and making Kermit jealous. Burt Reynolds was that dude. Well, let me mention this real quick. You know, we got to, we got to, we got to kind of also defer to like what he, what he was as like uh, 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 symbolically, because the fact that you start to see that while well, he was being offered roles that you know we might consider to be somewhat laughable, like Burt Reynolds as Superman or Burt Reynolds as James Bond, but I think that has a lot to do with well, that's he was like that guy. Like that's the number one. Like even even though I don't know if he would have pulled off those roles, I don't I don't know what that would have looked like. But I I think because of this guy kind of had his own mountaintop. They well, we got to go. We got to give because Burt Reynolds is like the box office dude in the seventies. So they said, oh, well, let him be Superman. Let him. And I don't know how an American would pull off the James Bond thing, but they they considered him because well the name recognition was there. So that's what I was really getting at when I was kind of mixing it up on 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 Twitter is that this guy was like. The dude at one at a for a specific finite period of time, that was the guy you go to, and then you go down the line. So, but trying to explain this to people, and again, these, these people who are, I, I, you know, they just heard of Burt Reynolds last year or something, so they don't know the backstory, they don't know about Gunsmoke and all that kind of stuff that that uh, Sergio was referencing. I mean, it is what it is, but the facts are the facts are the facts. That's my problem. Opinion is one thing, but disputing. The actual filmography and what he did, and, and maybe look, if you are a mature adult who remembers Burt Reynolds, sometimes it is important to to defer to people who actually remembered what it was like. Like I I gotta refer to my to the Oracle sometimes because he was around to discuss certain things as it was occurring. Like it matter, I got, I'll say this one quick thing just for the audience to give you, give you an idea. Like this is how this works. Uh. One time I was speaking about Malcolm X to my father, right? And I'm speaking from Malcolm X because I was born after Malcolm X, so I don't, you know, I can only know by what I, I can only know about Malcolm X from movies and from imagery. But my father was alive when Malcolm X was alive. So he would say things like, well, at the time, like I'm thinking of Malcolm X as this, 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 this huge, this huge figure. And my father said something that kind of brought me down to earth. Well, he said, well, at the time, at the time Malcolm X was alive, he said Malcolm X was essentially Al Sharpton. Like as far as name recognition, he was kind of, he wasn't the icon that we know after death. After death, your star rises. But he says at the time, he was kind of this loudmouth figure that was bellowing. But he was an Al Sharpton. He was perceived as an Al Sharpton as far as like his tier level, and that's. And I always have to remind myself of of that. But it's after death 
that he rose to a certain level. But but you only know I only you only know that if you lived at the time Malcolm X was alive was alive. So when people discuss things, it really does have a lot to do with were you actually alive when this person was walking the earth to be able to be to give some actual facts on the matter. If you're not alive, you're only going to talk about certain things from hearsay. Anyway, continue, folks. A, a quick quick thing. Um, Sergio probably remembers this, but when he directed a film called Sharky's Machine. Oh, yeah. That sort yeah, of was like it, the precursor it. of um, Miami Vice, I thought. That's a good one. But I think one thing, I noticed one thing, he kind of, the last few years, I don't know if he had a stroke or something. When I saw him maybe two or three years ago, he really had aged. He looked like he was really fighting some health issues. And he, yeah, he was. You know, um, yeah, he, he really he was, looked. He was on Conan, I want to say six weeks ago. Six weeks ago, he was on Conan O'Brien's show. And I remember going like this, like, that's Burt Reynolds, but that's not Burt Reynolds. Yeah. No, like like I said, Burt Reynolds has, in the last decade, um, he's been battling health issues, uh, all kinds of hurts, uh, all kinds of health issues. As I said, it started. He really his health wise, he started to to um, uh, 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 go down when he was doing this movie City Heat with Clint Eastwood. And he was doing a fight scene because Bert had to do all his fights, you know, his stunts. And a stuntman broke his jaw. And he had to wire it, and then it became effective for a while. And that really kind of started his physical decline. Uh, he never really recovered after that. Sometimes the body takes strange things, happens. But in the last decade, he he really has gone down. Um, that happens. To some people, you know, Deep always talked about the ninety-nine-year-old man. Okay, <laughs> you know, but that's a rarity. That's a real rarity, you know. Um, you know, I'm sad to hear about Tim Conway. I didn't know that. I'm yeah. sad to hear about uh, Nichelle Nichols. Oh, before Lee, she is a, suffering from dementia. A, but that yeah. that may be in dispute. That may be in dispute. That may be in dispute. I'm, I'm, okay, we'll yeah. see. Uh, I hope it. There, I hope a, it's not a, true. There, there's some money things going on there. They're saying yeah, I that hope it's not true. It, it may not be exactly, you know, one of our um, supporters from um, Sorghum and Spear, Sorghum and Spear in Atlanta, uh, he's working, with, he has worked with Nichelle Nichols for an animation, an animation thing that he's doing. Shout out to uh-huh. him. Uh, yeah. What's his name? Dresden, I believe Dedrick his name. Dedrick Sneed. Yeah, Dedrick Sneed, Mr. Sneed. So uh, we've met him personally, uh, you know, really nice cat. Hopefully we'll run into him again at uh, the upcoming Black Comic Book Festival coming up in 19. But he worked with her in the recording booth relatively recently. He said he didn't really detect anything. So this might be a money grab. Look, look I, we, the, blurs have a, the Blurs have a special relationship with Nichelle Nichols because I'm of pretty sure people are going to fight me on this. But the DNA in Blurred culture is also, also begins with her also. Okay. So anyway, go um, ahead. Go ahead. But getting back to Sorry. Burt Reynolds, yes. Uh, I mean, but I'd rather not think about the Burt Reynolds of the last few years. I yeah. still really remember Burt the way he was in his prime, and in his prime there was really nobody like him. And um, he, as you can see, you can't think of anyone who could replace him today. 
he was truly unique and um you know we're in a different world now you know so um you know it's sad when you talk about action heroes today and everybody talks about Tom Cruise it's got to be more than him yeah you know? and the funny thing is look you know, a testament to that is that Tom Cruise is 56 years old which amazes me yeah, within I know. itself but you know, you know the fact that he the fact that he is that he is he's a mature adult versus like someone who would be in his late twenties, early thirties to act, to occupy that space, to admit that we really don't have that guy anymore. That that analog is somewhat missing, which is another point that I think you and I are making. But look, let me mention something to to, to one of our stalwart supporters on Twitter. A shout out to her respectfully, KG Braff. She's coming at us. I, I don't think why are people? I guess she's playing with us, and I think she is. But she's saying, okay. Let me let me read what she says on Twitter. She says, okay, I got to get in on this one because you will not disrespect Snake, Snake Plissken, Jake, Jack Button, and has down the best Wyatt Earp. I don't think anyone's, no one's, am I not speaking English? No one's disrespecting What did she say? Kurt I don't Russell. get it. What did she say? Let me repeat it. She says, okay, I got to get in this one, get in on this one, I think, because you will not yeah. disrespect, you will not disrespect Snake Plissken, Jack Button, and has down the best Wyatt Earp. So she's really talking about Kurt Russell, and I'm saying I I yeah. I, I, lo- I lauded over Kurt Russell. I'm a, I'm a Kurt we Russell did, fan. We just talked I, about Kurt Russell. I'm, I'm a Snake Plissken fan, right? Snake Plissken is very yeah. integral to nerd culture. Uh, Daryl knows about this. They, there's there's comic books on Escape from New York. We're from New York, you know. Isaac Hayes, come on now, you know uh, Adrian Barbeau. Oh, Adrian Barbeau. Uh, <laughs> uh. You know, I know that uh, I can't speak how I want to speak, but Swamp Thing and all that stuff. Um, Sergio knows what I'm talking about when it comes to Adrian Barbeau. Anyway, um, look. <laughs> okay, you got that laugh. You know what I'm talking about. Anyway, look. Look, uh, everyone has their due. Kurt Russell is that guy. But this is not yes. disrespect. This is not dis- disrespect. It's setting the record straight, though. It's that, Matter of fact, I think Kurt Russell... Pro, you know, people could debate this. This is debatable, but I think his career might have curtailed because of his, of his relationship with with Goldie Hawn. You know, he was a young guy. They never got married. Like the the, the speculation about the relationship kind of took over the acting for me in some regards. He became like, you know, well, wouldn't you say that? Wouldn't you say that, Sergio? That that kind of relationship kind of. It was risque yeah, yeah, at the time. I wouldn't necessarily agree with that. I think they're still together, right? They've been together forever. Oh, they are. They're you know, still not married. Um, you know, I remember he used to be married to Susan Hubbley, who was in Escape from New York. And then when he got divorced and he married, uh, I'm not married, they're still not married. Uh, what's it? And also talk about another really great Kurt Russell movie. Talk about masculinity is, is, is Breakdown. Breakdown oh, yeah, is yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah. Breakdown is awesome, you know. And when when you if you try to make a film like Breakdown today, who could you cast in that part as the hero? Who'd be convincing in that role? A black? Give me a black actor, a white actor. Anybody would be convincing in that role? You know, I don't want to say Ildris because he's the go-to guy, you know, he by just, default. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, but but name me somebody who could play that part today. You know, um, a husband trying to de- desperately trying to win his wife back. Russell brought everything he had with him in that part. That's an awesome film. Um, but uh, 
you know, maybe you can move around, move from Mad Pass from if your show. Move having Burt Reynolds. I think we made a point. Finn Joe. Um, Go ahead, Daryl. Finn Joe. <laughs> hey, all all I'm saying is today's young actors and stuff, they have been so corrupted and so pigeonholed with this reality TV, this, 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 oh, oh, we, we, we gotta be more sensitive, this, we gotta, you know, honestly, guys like Reynolds and Russell, and, you know, there's a certain vintage where, okay, it's action, but at the same time, they're allowed to flower out. I'll agree with KG. You know, Russell was able, because of the Disney stuff, to come and do an action role where he brought something different to it, where he wasn't a clone of what Reynolds was doing, when, when Reynolds was doing stuff arguably the same way. But because I, I, I want to, I'm going to take you to professional wrestling for a second, all right? And folks, just bear with me here. The WWE has this performance center in Orlando where they train the stars that come up and, and be on their television, right? And they pluck them and they teach them a certain way and, and, and all of that, and they come in, okay? But you can see, well, this is all they know, you know? This is how they got here. Meanwhile, you got guys on the independent scene who are experimenting and doing different things. And winning fans in different ways. So when they come in and you see them hit the big time, there's a different polish, there's a different sheen to them. Where it doesn't seem manufactured. It seems, oh my God, this feels organic. Well, with Reynolds, he had this, you could say rogue, I could say gambit, but he was more like a night crawler, a suave like almost a pirate type. That's where I get where Afro-Nerd is coming from, where he says impish, roguish, you know? With, with Kurt Russell, that felt manufactured. You know, you, we, we saw Kurt Russell grow up in it. Like, like, it didn't feel quite organic. It was entertaining. But one felt like it's original, and one felt like, oh, okay, this is the role you're going to play, you know, sort of like that. If you could catch my drift. I'm yeah, sorry if like, I lost right. people with that. We want to move along. Right, we want to move along. Let me just mention one quick thing. Uh, Kurt Russell going to K, uh, KG Brass, you know, again, you know, even the superhero DNA. And this is debatable. This is debatable. Sky high. But the, the super, nah, I'm going, I'm going way before that. The superhero DNA might might lie in the again. Russell was a part of this of the Disney machine, which is might be where you talking about that manufacturing comes from. But but remembering fondly, the computer wore tennis shoes. Uh, the strongest man in the world. You know uh, those kind of Dexter Riley was was a character that a young Kurt Russell played, where he he always would get some kind of power. He you know he would drink something. He would drink something, some accident. I mean, that, that, that's like superhero DNA kind of stuff, right? So he was, that was, those were Disney films that were quite profitable. And he portrayed Dexter Riley as this high school student always getting some kind of ability, 
Anyway, let's move along. Season two, season two, we're, 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 we're with this Netflix deal uh, with Iron Fist. Now, Iron Fist was very problematic and was kind of lagging, lagging along with the other Netflix imprint, admittedly. So I think most people would say that Jessica Jones has a certain amount of gravitas, uh, Daredevil certainly, even Luke Cage. And the one that was the tag-along was the Iron Fist thing. And I, and I say, and I didn't see all of Iron Fist, but I, I'm almost there. I'm at, at series, episode seven. But it, is, it, it has vastly improved. And I regret that, man, if this were season one, the stylistically, he, this would have been able to hold its own with the other preceding Marvel Netflix shows. This feels like it is in that league, just stylistically, the, the acting, the, the fighting, the editing, everything has vastly improved. So I don't know if it was a time factor. Maybe they just didn't have enough time to get at it. But now I feel like Finn Jones believably comes off like Iron Fist, even the way that he says, I am the immortal Iron Fist. Like, even the delivery is better. So I, I have to give it up. I feel more comfortable and I feel more invested in Iron Fist. And we know about the Tarzan thing going on. That, that's something that kind of lingers with the, the Euro actor kind of uh, channeling Asian culture. Oh, you know, listen, we've seen Euro channel everybody. <laughs> you know, uh, however you want to look at it, um, it is what it is. Hopefully we'll, we will see a Shang-Chi. We will, we will see more Asian representation. I think that's going on even as we speak. But... If we're going to take, for, take it for what it's worth, take it for how we, we knew that character to be coming from the comic books, now I feel more comfortable with Iron Fist on Netflix. That's, my, that's what I'll say without giving out any spoilers. Daryl, what, what are your impressions of, of season two of Iron Fist? All right, let me, let me first say, uh, I remember we talked to our caller who called in who had somebody that, that worked on uh, a couple of the Netflix shows. And we talked about this. And, and uh, I went, the one thing that's going to be sure after all of this, or after Iron Fist, is that I'm really going to want a Daughters of the Dragon series. Well, I'm really going to want a Daughters of the Dragon series. I mean, this, this, this thing sealed that deal. You know, that, that is just, oh, my God. I don't want to spoil it for people, but episode, I want to say five, five or six, four, five, and six is where you see both Misty Knight and Colleen Wing together for long chunks of this doing their thing. But I want to say five. They have a fight against the Cranes, who kudos to the – production staff for bringing over the crane because even I had to I vaguely remembered the crane sisters I had to look that one up that was beautiful that was awesome you know but they had this fight and it wasn't about the fight it was interplay before the interplay during and the interplay after between Miss Henwick and Miss Mystic oh my god how if they go through a second defenders, you have to do Daughters of the Dragon. Okay, that, that, that's A. Get that out of the way. That's the thing in the room. The stars of this one is definitely 
uh, Jessica Henwick and Sasha Darwin. Da- Sasha Darwin, folks, is the, the gentleman that plays Davros. Much more captivating. They gave him much more room. I said the hero is only as good as his villains. Davros and those flashback scenes to his mom at Cunlant. Oh, my God. Again, total credit on that. Finn's improved. The fight scenes are ten times better in this. Okay? I don't know if it's just because in the first one they rushed the photography or whatever or the photos where you could consistently see where the jump cuts in there. There's definitely less of this. You see the actors prolonged here. I said in the first one, the guy that played Kabuto and Colleen, as that went on, you could see them improve while Finn stayed at the same level. In this one, Finn is at that level and keep on going. The major problem that I had with people going into this is they're dead set on hating it. All right? I'm like, if you follow Defenders, if you follow Luke, and you go through this, you see where Finn is growing in the role, where he's getting more confident, where he's putting in the work, okay? Folks will want to disagree with me. And remember, I'm one of the guys that wanted the Asian-American Iron Fist. I wanted that, okay? But I can't hate on this because... He is putting in the work now. He is doing the job, all right? What more, uh, again, this is where you could play the cut. What more do you want from me? You could play it for Finn now because I don't think he could be Iron Fist better than he is being it right now. He's doing a good job. And all this being said, I I, I don't have the actress's name on me right now. Uh, Alice Eve. Oh, my God, that was Typhoid Mary. Holy crap. She the only way it could have been more Typhoid Mary is if she was in Daredevil and, and, and harassing Matt Murdock. You know, I, I, you, can't, you couldn't actually do the comic book form where, where the, the Mary persona is, gosh, gee whiz, always wearing a flower dress, always so demure. And Mar and 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 the uh, and the typhoid Mary character was a sadistic killer. You can't exactly do that. Who dressed like a punk and had ripped nylons and stuff. And folks, if you think I'm kidding, uh, uh, do your research as your friend. Just look up typhoid Mary's look on Google. <laughs> I I gotta say there there was writing inconsistencies. I know Captain Captain will get into the power set thing especially when it comes to Davros, things that Davros did where you go, wait a second, uh, uh, or, or there's, there's, there's times they shoot where it was raining at night at one part of the city, and in the same part of the city, the next scene, it's totally dry. You know, that's the inconsistency thing. But I got to agree with D-Bird here. If this was the first season of Iron Fist, I don't think there's any problems. You know, if the, if the first season was shot like how this one was shot, yo, I, I, again, I, I wouldn't have that many problems. And um, the last thing, I said that the, 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 um, the brother and sister annoyed, annoyed me, Joy and Ward, 
They still do. But the character arcs that both of them were on, let's put it this way. It wasn't Jessica Jones season two where some of those character arcs where they made them look so bad, you didn't have an emotional connection. This one, if you don't get an emotional connection to them, then you really just don't like the characters and you don't care to be around them. I'll say it like that to be all honest. I know I rambled a bit there. I tried not to give away what what was going on. Uh, Floor is yours, Afrinerd. Thanks for the time. Yeah, you know what, uh, Daryl, quickly, you know, that's the one thing. Look, I'm going to have to go back into Iron Fist mythology because, I, you know, growing up, I was always in and out of Iron Fist, maybe because without even knowing it necessarily, I, I just gravitated more toward um, Shang-Chi because maybe because of the, the natural Tarzan thing, you know, the whole thing of, okay, even as a young person, I, I couldn't necessarily articulate it, but something about you know, this white guy is going to come in and be a better uh, uh, embodiment of Asian culture and of, of being able to be a master of the martial arts better than a person who is endemic to the culture. I guess that just I just had a problem with it. But I, I did read the book here and there. But how, how integral are the Meachams to – I mean, do you know how – I mean, because I, I don't know about these the brother and sister. I mean, I know they're in the, in the comic book mythology, but the way they interact – they are in the Netflix series versus how they were in print. Were they really in there like that, Daryl? No, early on you saw them, but they were just big players because they played up the the partner. Like you saw them early, but anybody can attest. You haven't seen anything from the Meacham side for a while. And, again, I will say it this way, and it's going to come out wrong, but just go with me here. Sibling rivalry and that, that, that thing, that's always a lure, like, to get that soap opera element in. For, mm-hmm. the, for, the, folks, the, for the folks that think, oh, this is too physical, or this is too much kung fu, or I'm not going to get it, let's throw in corporate takeovers. Brothers and sisters stabbing each other in the back. That's like, they've been characters, but they've been built up more for the show, in other words. And that's to get in a certain demographic that wouldn't be, oh, he's a guy with a glowing fist, and it's a mystical kind of city. I can't get with all of that. But you could get in with, oh, yeah. The, the the brother is a drunk uh, a drunkard and the sister has been overlooked and she wants to get out of everybody's shadow and become her own woman. You can get into that. I'm, I'm just saying. Uh, uh, I got a uh, cap. I think I I said that without being too offensive, right? Using quote unquote coded language. Yeah, cap. Your impressions of season two of Iron Fist. Okay, he dropped off. I guess he's going to call uh, back. Yeah, something's going on with you know this is blog talk, unfortunately. But um, yeah, I mean while he's coming back, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it this time around. I would advise the audience to definitely check it out. I mean, it had a sour taste in our mouth. I think that the audience collectively had a sour taste because of uh, it just wasn't that great. I mean, I think that the, the believability of Finn Jones as the Iron Fist and the way he would, the way that he would um, recite his lines. It just didn't come off. It just wasn't. This wasn't it. Okay, here's the captain now. Captain, what are your impressions of season two of Iron Fist? 
You sure you really want to do that with a guy like me? You sure you want to really give a guy like a guy like me the stage to voice my opinion? Is that what you really want to do? You more of a fanboy. That's what you. That's what you want me to do. You more of a fanboy. Let me tell you something. Daredevil is the series. That's the series. Luke Cage is pretty well done. Jessica Jones was good, too. Everything else went down for me from there. Defenders, I thought, was whack. The wackest thing they did was Defenders. As a person, bad shots, bad shooting, everything was just whack in Defenders. Power sets all over the place. Now, yes, this did improve from the first one. first one was feces, total excrement. This right here is meh to me. So that's where they, that's the improvement. The, the problem being is Finn Jones. I have a problem with him. He just doesn't do it for me. I see him on the screen. I want him off the screen. That's the problem. That's the total problem. The series starts flowing good. Then he comes on the screen. Get out of here. The guy that plays the stuntman that was fighting Davos, that's your iron fist right there. Strong jaw, everything else. Oh, wow. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah we hear you. Gotcha. Okay, okay. I thought I dropped again. Yeah, that's your Iron Fist, that guy. That guy right there. By just seeing him, I don't have to know where he came from because no one knew Quinn Jones anyway from you know Game of Thrones or what have you. So I could have used him. It would have been better. That's the problem for me. Everything else around it is legit, you know, Misty Knight, you know, and every, all that is legitimate, you know. But I have a problem with him. He turns me off as soon as he comes on the screen. I don't believe anything that he does. I don't like hearing him talk. I don't like anything that he does. You understand? <laughs> so that, that that just messes up everything for me. I'm like, okay, this is going good. Here he comes. Oh, man, what the bomba clock am I going to do there? Get him off the screen. You understand? That's what, this is how I feel every time I see him. He's a problem for me. You know, did he improve? Yes, he improved. But he, he was never the guy in the first place. And I'm trying to force it, you know, every time I see him, you know. And the problem is, if they did the same exact thing, let's say, six years ago, we've been touting this as this is incredible, the best thing ever. I am too far in with this comic book stuff. So what does that mean? You're too far in, you know? It's like a guy in the beginning that wasn't getting any vagina, right, 10 years ago. Then you give him a little piece, he's going crazy. You give him a little bit more, he's going crazy. You give him a little bit more. Now, once he's tapping vagina every day, it's going to have to be special, something that comes in the game for it to be good, you know? This is not that. Daredevil is that. Daredevil, you can go back and go, ah, yeah, man, I'm up in it. Tag question. Oh, yeah. This right here is, eh, eh, so what? That's how I see this, man. That's how I see this. And now I, I know how difficult it is to put this stuff together. You know, I had some, have some dealings with film. And you're not going to knock everything out the park. I understand that. But at the same time, you marvel. So I can put the pressure on you. I'm going to put the pressure on your neck. I'm not going to give you any passes. You got money. I can understand if you don't have any money. 
I can give you a pass. I understand what that is. You didn't have enough money. You understand? I can understand this. I can understand that. But I'm not going to give you the pass. I don't like it. And the main reason I'm watching it is because I have an obligation to the show. I can't come in here blind. So let's watch it. Let's see what's going on. But it doesn't do it for me. It doesn't do it for me at all. You know, I'd rather watch something else. That's where I am with it. You know, back over to you. All right. Well, look, that's the beauty of the show is that everybody has their opinion. And I'm, I can't discredit what you say. I, I would just say that I, maybe because we do have a little bit more um, affinity for Marvel. Although, I'm, hey, I'm hanging in there for DC. I like all this comic book stuff and sci-fi stuff, to be honest with you. So maybe we, we will give a bit more leniency towards this kind of stuff. Um, I feel that the, the improvements for me so far are engaging. I, I kind of, you know, maybe I'm jaded you know, in, in the other direction. Maybe I'm a little bit, you know, I'm a little softer on the stuff. However, I, I always, I said this early on, we are tolerating Finn Jones, and I, I respectfully, I thought that it's, we've seen improvements. But Ryan Felipe should have been that guy. This is my opinion. I thought that he was more, uh, his physicality was more for this. A person who, who, is, who is a martial artist, it could have even, you know, we're looking at someone who's not a martial artist and is looking pretty decent. If, he, if we had um, Mr. Felipe involved, I think, you know, and he's done action stuff before, I think we would have had a really good product. I don't know what happened. I don't know if negotiations broke down. Uh, prob- probably what happened was there might have been a pricing issue and it probably was an availability issue. But I thought that the believability factor and also his ability to, if, there were going, if there's ever going to be some crossover appeal, Ryan Felipe's name recognition might have been more on point to move into the cinematic thing. But, hey, it is what it is. We, we have to deal with what we got. But I respect your opinion. Well, while Daryl's still with us, briefly, I still want to tap on some comic book stuff. Daryl, did you get a chance to check out some of the, the pictures that have leaked out there, if it's really a leak, of Captain Marvel and the scrolls and <laughs> – What's going on? Some people are complaining. I can't see how they could complain. Oh, oh, what are your yeah, thoughts I've about that? It. I've seen it, and I'm the dude that, that went on Twitter and put on record. They better give me something with, for Monica uh, Rambeau here, or I'll go mad. And I, I didn't expect them to put her mom as part of the Banshee Squadron. You know, that <laughs> that that is, to me, that's cool. That's like... Hey, it's taking place in the 90s. Whatever happens, all right, say, like, her mom gets hurt and whatever happens and stuff like that. And, and, and Monica is growing up with this enmity for, for, uh, for Carol, thinking that she should have done something to protect her mom or save her mom. And then flash the current day here – Here's Captain Marvel when all is said and done, and here's Monica Rambeau out for revenge or something. And to gain her revenge, knowing how powerful uh, uh, Captain Marvel is, she goes and she recruits Next Wave, or she recruits what will come soon to become the ultimate to get, uh, get Captain Marvel. I went like that. That that's where my geek senses. I went okay. They're doing it in the nineties. She's gonna when 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 the, uh, Captain Marvel two comes out. If if it's that successful and that lock, lucky knock on wood, 
you know, Monica will be a young and young young black women hold on to enmity, you know. So maybe that's it, or maybe. By the time Captain Marvel 2 comes out, it won't be from a place of revenge. It'll be a place of honor, and she'll be looking to help Captain Marvel with whatever's happening. But this masterstroke puts Monica Rambeau in play for later on in whatever phase the Marvel movie universe is going to be. Outside of that, I saw people having problems with the scrolls. I'm like, how do you expect scrolls to look? Like, comparing them to Thor, the Dark dark Age, how the elves looked and stuff like that. And I kept on saying, guys, scrolls shapeshift. Yo, be happy we got scrolls. They're not the Chitauri. They're not, let's make another race that shapeshifts here. It's scrolls. We're getting the Kree Star Force. I had to give guys a quick uh, lesson on who the Star Force was with the Kree. You know, through this picture, the director and the writers are putting in that work. Now, it remains to be seen when the picture app actually happens and we're in the theater watching it, if they're going to succeed with it on screen, if they execute everything great. But from pictures, not a trailer, from pictures... Why are you guys so mad? <laughs> Isn't, this, isn't this what we want as nerds? Why are you getting mad at pictures? It's one thing if it's a trailer and you see how they're acting and you go like, what the hell? They're still pictures. I saw fellow blurs get mad that it's Maria Rambeau. Like, guys, have you read the synopsis of what Captain Marvel is going to be? I heard folks mad. Oh, why did they de-age a Samuel Jackson? It's oh, in the 90s. Like, <laughs> you see, Cap, this is where I go on Cap's side of the street. When you're a fanboy, when you're a, 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 an ultra-obsessed fan, when you're a stan which I hate that people are trying to use that term as something of positivity because everybody knows where Stan came from. We brought the, uh, the guy who put that name in our collective consciousness before, Eminem. Go look at the video for Stan and then look at the at Stan activity nowadays and tell me how that's a positive. I digress. Why are you so mad? This just means getting more possibilities, more infinite ideas. But like Cap said, there's a lot of us nerds out there that oh, we're going to be on the mountaintop hating on it right now. Like, <laughs> you can't let it happen. And I, like I said, Cap, when we've had those arguments before, I always say, I see where you're coming from. Okay, no problem. Some of these guys, they they... From five photos, they already know how this movie is going to be. I wish I could be like that because I wouldn't have to pay for another movie again, right? I could I, I, I save a That's whole good. bunch of money. That's good. Let me say something quickly about that. Um, I, I was a little bit irritated, just like Daryl was, that we know nothing about this film. 
and already this is why I think there's a hint of sexism in it, in the sense that okay, this is the first time out where we have a a a woman as a titular character, and this is where Marvel might end up taking a left because I don't like what I see as a few print photographs. And for, for me personally, I'm very pleased with what I'm seeing. Uh, you know, look, this is not the final product, and I think there's a hint of well. Are they going? Are they going? And this might be. This might be legitimate. I will concede this. That some folks believe. Okay, here we have a female superhero, and now we're going to overcompensate and give her some outrageous power set that makes her makes her uh, able to take on Thanos toe to toe. And I do know that Captain Marvel is an extremely powerful character. Maybe in the same league or close to the same league as the Thors and 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 possibly the Hulks. And she's in that. She's in that. Um, ecosystem but as far as sort of really being able to take on now she would have been a good addition now with her added you know to the to the to the scene if she were there at the time of of avengers 3 then we might have seen something because she can bring it but look i don't know what i don't know what we're going to see i don't know what's going to happen but i do know that the fact that the fact that Daryl mentioned that, you know, Monica, Monica Rambeau, and let me just to the audience, because sometimes you get too, too insider. Monica Rambeau is an African-American superhero, female superhero, who also went by the title Captain Marvel. So that's kind of a, a nod to that, to that lineage. So she was, she was a Captain Marvel also. Now she's known as Spectrum. She's gone through several name changes, Photon, Pulsar, She's Spectrum now, but she was Captain. She was a Captain Marvel also. So uh, it'll be cool to see an African, an, another minority figure in the mix. Uh, I think that Marvel is hungry. You know, it could work either way, but I think Marvel is hungry for their version of a Wonder Woman. I think they want some of that shine. We saw that they got a lot of shine out of Black Panther. It's the shine. It's still shining. I think they're doing some, some. Uh, they're doing some, some shooting, some, some, uh, some, some continued shooting on Avengers Four to accommodate for Wakanda. So they had to expand Wakanda even more. So I think we should slow our roll. Let's let's allow for the final product. Marvel has had a good run thus far. I'm inclined to give them the benefit of the doubt. It but, is what it is. But, Can I say but, something? Hey, Can I say wait, something? Uh, hey, Cap, let, let Captain speak. Let Captain speak. Yeah, let go, Captain go speak. ahead. Go ahead. Sorry about that. Now I'm a spark. Now I'm a spark. The Marvel DC beef right here. That's what I do, but it's all right. First of all, I didn't see pictures with any panties and bra. That's the first thing. But anyway. Okay, there we go. You know, I like the pictures. I like what I saw. I'm looking forward to it, you know, see a woman stand up and do her thing. She didn't have on panties and a bra, but, you know. What do I know? I don't know anything. You can't you know? do that now, man. Those mystery. days are over. Those days are over. <laughs> it is this. So, Maybe ahead. rightfully so. It's over. You know? But but uh, this, this is what I say. I had one of those haters come at me. Oh, she isn't that powerful. She isn't that powerful. And I did like this. So you know who binary is. What does that have to do with this? Right oh, there? <laughs> you're a fake you know, fan. Get yeah. the hell out. Dallas, no. they, they, they're talking about, about being canon. You can't have canon. 
There's no need to have cannons. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I got that too. But but this is and and I'll tell you a lot of female fans run into this whenever these and they hit them with knowledge they want to deflect all right when you're coming up from that mountaintop up high saying you know it all guess what you don't know it all all right the mere fact I brought up the name binary when you're ripping Captain Marvel on her power set. And you don't know who binary is, son, just get a walk in. Take your two years of accumulated comic knowledge and get a step in. Get out of the arena. I just bodied you, and you're still wondering what I'm talking about. Get the well, hell well, out. Well, Captain, look, Captain, you, you brought this up. Uh, this is right. one of the things that, one of the things that, you, that you – one of the things – that I went to battle on in that vortex I talk about, which I will extricate mm-hmm. myself out of from now on. The person who will be unnamed said something to me about uh, when I mentioned the term canon, he said, well, this person has a thing about controlling language, which he, he, he says, he, I doesn't, he doesn't know what I'm talking about. But then he, then he brings up, I don't, I don't canon, I, I throw up when canon's mentioned. So you have completely tried to deconstruct even canon. Now look, Canon is it's a synonym for canon is myth. Myth is everything. Myth works when people collectively know what the myth is. Okay, now we can change some things and we can argue about we can tweak the canon. Okay, fine. But to say things like I uh, canon, if every time I hear canon, I, you know, like to toss canon away, then what are we here for? The reason why we enjoy discussing comic books and science fiction because everyone is in on what the mythology that's right but if you want to take away the very definition of canon and or myth then what are we doing here you know, we got we all have to kind of know what the canon is in order to deconstruct it and decipher it but you know i, I you know that's what i'm saying i got to get out of this <laughs> i got to get out of this cuz now we just we just having we just having dumb conversations let me strengthen Daryl's Darryl's argument. Binary, strength level. The energies that binary tax give her class 100 strength. She can lift press over 100 tons. Can it? Binary All can right. tap the energy of a white hole, the region of space, which is the exit point of point singularity's ultimate inward collapse out of the universe and into another. Yo, this is powerful. Can it? <laughs> and, and again, these guys, these guys, these quote-unquote gatekeepers, these guys who know it all more than females and minorities, uh, who are you stepping into my realm, da 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 Mother, I've been in your realm. I've been here. You come in and you spout all this knowledge, and I'll throw you back to 1980, 1990, and I'll show you that that character's been done before. I'll show you a character that's been done better. All right? Your guy's problem, and, and I, I, I told people this. I was very frank on Twitter about this, all right? And I'll tell the crowd here, all right? I was one of those guys. I was one of those comic gators, diversity in comics. I was one of those idiots, all right? Jill Penn column for Comics Alliance, all right? And in that nature, when Comics Alliance was still tight, 
I attacked her. All right? I attacked her about something she said. I had friends who read that come back at me going, D, what, what are you doing? She's right. Here's the issue. I told her on Twitter years later on, I apologize tremendously to you, and without you, there is no Daryl B. Because ultimate knowledge, ultimate knowledge can't be gained without ultimate respect. And I'm not talking about respect for the comics. I'm talking about respect for your fellow fan. Dislike it? Fine. I've told people that before. You're okay. It's in our DNA to look at things from different sides and different levels. But you have to have that respect with your knowledge. You disagree with this creator? You disagree with this fan? Fine. That is all fine and good. Doesn't mean you have to threaten their lives. Doesn't mean you have to put out their personal information for everybody to read. You can say, I disagree with you and walk your own path. Or you could say, I agree with you, but here's how this could be done different. Or you could say, you know what? We're not going to agree here. All right? It's that point where it comes from just being a simple debate to being something personal where it's no longer about the love for uh, uh, insert your art firm here. Whether it be comics, whether it be books, whether it be, whether it be movies, whether it be music, whether it be art. Once it starts getting that personal, are you taking issue with the idea or are you taking issue with the person? That's what I had to look in the mirror and look at myself and wonder, what am I really here? Let me let me mention it, something quick. Let me mention something. Sorry to interrupt you, Daryl, because we got about five minutes problem. remaining. But I, but I want to extend the show a little bit because I, I had intended to make the show longer. I, I I had intended to make the show longer and I was unable to do so. So we're going to go just to the listening audience. Uh, we're we're broadcasting live right now, but we may go an extra ten minutes. So uh, let's listen for the playback for the additional ten minutes. I think we're going to go for that because. Uh, I just messed up. So it had, it was supposed to be a longer broadcast. So we're going to go a few more minutes uh, to discuss some things. So anyway, uh, Daryl, continue. But I, I do want to wrap this up and kind of go into something else. Yeah, no problem. That's that's, uh, and, and I know there are guys who think about this show and think about us and think about some way. But the idea and exchanges you hear here, I go like, you hear that at anybody else? We look at all sides of an issue, no matter what you may believe, okay? And the, the amount of hate I've heard when it came to the Captain Marvel thing, when I talk to female fans and stuff and I see what they go through, I got to ask, guys, look in the mirror. Are you hating on the subject or are you hating on the people bringing it up? To dying own self be true. Let's move on, Afrinert. Yeah, okay, look. Uh, this is, we're going to go out of a comic book discussion. <laughs> Even though this is, this is what the Grindhouse is about. It's an amalgam of many things. Um, on Twitter, I got into an exchange over this viral video. I think everyone might be able to impart something about it. There's a viral video of a woman of color, a black woman, in line 
for at a restaurant, and this is something everyone has dealt with at some point or another, uh, especially a black person, where she's in line, she has long braids, and this white woman. Now, some folks are saying this was staged. I don't know if it was necessarily staged. I think it was. But she, the white woman's behind the black woman in line at this restaurant, and she just, without provocation, without any, without any kind of clue, she just starts, like, picking up the black woman's hair, like, as if she's, like, not human, and starts, like, kind of stroking in wonderment over this woman's hair. So that's a violation in African-American culture. Right. It just, oh, just, it just, I mean, it, it just is. I, I think even beyond African American culture. I mean, because when I looked at the video, it was crazy. Like, you're just some perfect stranger. You just start stroking this person. You just pick up her hair like she's not a human being. But I, the woman didn't, she appeared to be, to be um, innocent in a sense that she just didn't realize what she was doing or she didn't think anything of it. And it could have easily gone left. <laughs> it could have been a horror show, it could have been Freddy Krueger style. Uh, as a credit to the to the woman of color, she just told her in, in a kind of light way, "Hey, you know, you really can't do that. You know, please don't touch my hair and that kind of thing." And that's been an ongoing meme for since we since we've been in the Americas. But I think since uh, Reconstruction, where black people and white people are are interacting on a certain le- on a certain level, where you see this kind of thing. But in, in the last thirty or forty years, uh, especially at, since the advent of Afrocentricity where you see black women and black men, black people with more um, African Afrocentric hairstyle that you see oftentimes I've seen white people touch your hair. And now in, now in white culture, I have seen white people touch either, each other's hair without provocation. They just do that. Some of them, but it is kind of a known thing. You don't go around touching black, a black woman's hair, especially, but black men's hair has been touched too. So anyway, on Twitter, I had said, because I always try to pick apart certain things, and sometimes the context is lost in Twitter. I'm being, I'm being told that, you know, <laughs> we get your point. But no, I don't think, I think you have to, I think having an actual natural conversation, there's a difference. So anyway, I said to, I said to myself, and I said, I said out loud, uh, okay, look, we know that's a violation, Right. But then I, I had also mixed a little bit of the Me Too situation. Me Too, the me, hashtag Me Too movement also is connected to personal space across culture. We've seen that. Well, in the, in the culture and across the culture. When we saw uh, Bishop Ellis at the Aretha Franklin funeral, when he hugged Ariana Grande, I think that was misperceived in some way. I'm hearing people who looked at it and really didn't see anything. I didn't see anything either. We know that in a time of grief, especially in a, in a very public way, we see that, that, the, that the minister oftentimes will, will reach out, will hug, will emote with someone. We saw Bishop Ellis hug a diminutive, because he's like five feet tall, a diminutive um, Ariana Grande, and somehow that was perceived as he groped her. And some people are saying, well, you know, preachers don't, you know, was he really groping her? Uh, That's in dispute. She never really said anything. Everybody else looked at that and saw something else. And in black culture, in the black church, 
we know that uh, hugging and being emotive is a thing. When you looked at the at the John McCain public funeral versus the Aretha Franklin public funeral, it was night and day. So I'm just putting it out there. Is there a distinction? Do we have to also allow for we really can't touch anyone nowadays? And would it have been different if a if a strange black woman if a strange black woman touched that other black woman's hair unprovoked, unannounced? Is there is there a difference there? Would she have reacted the same way? Is it the is it the whiteness of the person touching this woman's hair? Or is it the unfamiliarity touching that woman's hair? Because the whole thing looked freaky to me. I'll admit, if anybody touched touched me like that, I'd be a little I'd be a little a little taken aback. So I'm just opening it up. I'm asking the question, Daryl. What are your hey, thoughts? Again, personal space is personal space. I had a problem with the preacher doing what he did to Ariana Grande. You may think it wasn't. That's still personal. All right, that that she didn't ask to be hugged like that. You don't know her, you know, like that. Same here. It's an invasion of personal space in this time. I will sit at the bar. I'm having drinks. I will have guys come up and uh, put their hand on my shoulder or my back and, and say, say, hey, buddy, how you do? I don't know you. Back the f- up. Questionably, why personal space? You may think some way about me after me saying something like that, but still. And the fact that there's a camera doing it at the like looking like like she told, hey, I'm gonna go touch this black woman's hair. Let's see what happens. See, the problem with that that thing is, I don't know the context. That was. Too perfect of a shot for me Someone had That camera set up You know or someone had that iPhone camera set up there It wasn't that you're shooting something else And it happened off the corner And then everybody focused on that That was center mass in that Shot No one's ever brought that up either Query before I'm not trying To touch anybody uninvited and in this day and age, to do so, that's a whole kettle of worms. Captain? Well, shouldn't violate anybody's personal space. I looked at that. I thought I thought touching the hair was crazy, you know. And as far as I've seen men come up to women and touch their hair, and the women totally go off. Sometimes it could be worse. When a man does that to a woman, and it could be same race also, you know, because men are always perceived as a threat. So it's just, again, it's personal space. you got to respect people's personal space. And I do agree with Daryl that there could be a possibility some shenanigans was going on with that, the way the guy recorded it. That's a possibility. and looks strong. But either way, it just looked crazy. <laughs> it looked crazy, man, you know, from that standpoint. That's all I'll say about it. Hey, let me say something quickly, because there was a, an excellent video that I actually put out there on Twitter where I, 
I really liked the way the guy was discussing it because he was going into the history of the black church, what to expect at the black church, how in some regards, and I think this was mentioned in a previous podcast, maybe the last podcast, which was, I think even Bison brought this up, all respect to him, that he said that, you know, look, uh, the, what ended up happening, which might have been just as manipulative as what Daryl says with how that video was taken, was how manipulative Ariana Grande and her people were to have her dressed the way that she was dressed at a black cultural event that people who are in the know kind of sort of kind of sort of should know not kind of sort of they know how to contour for a black cultural thing but if you don't give a damn or if you are ignorant of that fact you're going to come like you're coming to the coming to the club there's a distinction between club dressing and going to church this has been this has been poked fun of this has been put in in, in comedy acts as to how people roll into church one way and how they roll into a club the other way. Ariana Grande was dressed for the club. Now, someone who cared or someone who knew, you don't dress that way. Now, that's not opening up the door for groping. I'm not even saying that. But I'm saying that, you know, if if it's about cultural interpretation, she did not interpret the culture properly. But again, here we go with some of the folks that you know, they disregard respectability politics. Look, you may not like respectability politics, but let's keep it 100. The church, the black church, even though it may be hypocritical behind the scenes, the black church, as far as imagery, is all about respectability politics. And I, we can talk about the hypocrisy of that. But as far as how you get down in the black church as a culture, it's respectability politics. It's big hats. It's emotionalism. It's, it's musical talent. It is. It, we know what the black church is. The black church is not the Catholic church. I went to a, I, I went to a Catholic school. The majority of my formative education was through Catholicism, believe it or not. So I, I know both cultures. I know the Baptist church. I know the Lutheran style. And I, know, and I also know the Catholic style. And they're, they're radically different, and they're also to, to be respected independently. So I just in my again, like Daryl said, it's his opinion. But I expect a, a, a minister to to be somewhat to be somewhat emotional on stage. I don't think this man, in full public view, if you're going to be like logical, is going to group someone on live t- live TV. I think that he was, you know, maybe his first time out. He is, you know, very public in a in a very public. Uh, Pop, I hate to use the term pop culture, but it is pop culture. It's Aretha Franklin, and he hugged this person. I think anybody he might have put his arm around in a in, in a event like a funeral, because I've seen that. I've seen that when the camera isn't going, isn't isn't rolling. Now we know that ministers are also known for shenanigans, but I don't know if it's logical to go that go there uh, when it's in full public view. I don't know. I don't know. But I know that there's some cultural missteps, and I know that when it comes to black people, this is in my opinion, people are very – some people are very at ease at railroading your culture. Black culture is, is, is something that people don't take – some people don't take seriously, that they will, they will, they will just uh, – they'll conquer your culture. That's been our experience. They'll take it. They do what they, what they will. And I think, you know, 
no one no one really checked Ariana Grande for her, her dress, you know, because now you got this, you got conflicting things going on. You got people telling you, well, damn respectability politics, and she could dress the way she wants to dress and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, yeah, that's true, but don't you, don't you kind of place you're at? There's been places, there's been things I had, I've had to do. And I know um, Captain knows this. If you and I know uh, Daryl knows this. We know full and well that if you go into another space that's not your culture, you acclimate to that culture. If I if I encounter a, Jap, a Japanese culture, I'm going to have to make some changes. But when it comes to black folks, many times, not all time. <laughs> I'm taking the Captain's thing. Many times, not all the time, people. With black folks, they don't give a damn. They just, they just do what they want to do. And some, some black folks, especially the younger folk, they don't want to honor that. I'm like, listen, we have some S2, like, like uh, Richard Pryor says. I got some S2, and it's to be respected. Someone should have pulled, should have pulled Ariana Grande to the side and said, hey, you know, you really can't. You know, you really going to do something, or you're not really allowed. But they didn't do that because of star power. You know, somebody made a deal. But, under, but under, uh, the Oracle even told me that because he's experienced that. The oracle told me that if a young lady came like that to his church, pulled to the side, say, hey, you know, you really can't come any like that. This, it's the church of respectability politics. It's the church of respectability politics. Got to respect it. I'm just saying. Anyway, uh, I think we're going we're gonna to cut it on that one. We had a lot more to discuss, but uh, I, I messed up, and that's the way it is. Uh, shout out to um, – I will say this quickly – I didn't know that Steve McQueen is coming back into the fold, the director, Steve McQueen. At first, I wasn't really interested in Widows. Widows, the trailer that came out with Viola Davis, Liam Neeson, and Daniel Kaluuya from – we know Daniel Kaluuya Kaluuya from Get Out and from Black Panther. Now I might be leaning toward wanting to see this picture because Steve McQueen has – he's talented. Uh, I might want to go around the horn on that one, and then we'll close it. Do you think – any thoughts on this Widow's trailer? I think it's kind of interesting. I, I thought it was like a, just a typical heist film, but now that I, Steve McQueen is the director on this, is this something we should be looking out for, Daryl? Well, well, I, I'll just say it like this. You, you're seeing it. You saw it with, uh, what was it, Comic Blonde. You, Peppermint is now out on, on thing here, and now you've got uh, the Oceans remake, and now you've got Widow's. They're trying to tap into something, I guess, that Hollywood hasn't really tried to mass tap into yet. They're trying to tap into the woman action star, woman heist, woman revenge story now. And you know what? There's actually a market for it. It just depends on how well it's done. And Mr. McQueen knows how to do action We've seen a couple of his films. He, he, he knows how to crank up the action. You're not used to seeing these actresses in these type of roles. But back in the day, we, were, we weren't ready as a, a world for set it off, were we? So let, let's see what happens. Widows. It, oh, Michelle, it, 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 it definitely peaked. Michelle Rodriguez is in there, by the way. So that might. Oh, you know. yeah, there's one that we so, know. So yeah. there you go. Uh, Captain, any thoughts? Uh, we see what happens. <laughs> we see what happens. It's like that peppermint. Word, really? You really want to go see that? No, I'm not seeing happens. that. 
I'm not seeing this, that. This cast here looks a bit stronger, though. So you got Viola Davis. He's business. He's a he's a very good actor. So that may that may get me in there for this. Viola Davis. I always like her work. She's very well, you, you got Steve McQueen, who is look. I had even put Steve McQueen out there, um, you know, before Ryan Coogler for Black Panther. And actually, look, I sometimes I do I believe in fate. Um, look, Steve McQueen was was. Excellent for 12 Years a Slave, right? Uh, mm-hmm. But you had John Ridley as the screenwriter on that. So maybe you know, the, the, the Americanizing that's needed could, because Steve, Steve McQueen, I believe, is of Nigerian descent, and he's, he's an uh, a Afro-Brit. So, mm-hmm. you know, we know that, that British black folk have their own story, which, which actually may be time to tell, uh, because we know the, that Britain, the United Kingdom, that they had... Um, outlawed slavery by 30 or 40 years before the Americas, right? But that experience is going to be stylistically different than the American, African-American experience of slavery. So what am I saying? Uh, for If he had gotten to do the Black Panther, I don't know what that film would have looked like because it, it probably would have lended, it probably would have lended more toward a more, even more of an African aesthetic, or if that's even possible, more of an African aesthetic for that, and more of an African story. But it needed to be for it to be pan-African in style. This is my opinion. Ryan Coogler was able to kind of take it where it was, it was bringing the African American and the African together. I think that was more of a compelling story. I don't know if Steve McQueen would have been able to tell that story. That's what, that's what came to my mind. And if Steve McQueen is a hell of a director. He is a hell of a director. But I don't know. It's something that, things happen for a reason. All, all that layering that we saw in Black Panther, I don't know if Steve McQueen would have gone there. And the only reason why I think 12 Years a Slave work is because it literally was the, the, the recounting of a, of, of a book by, by, by the slave himself. And also you had an American in John Ridley telling it. I don't know. Anyway, I'll, let's leave it at that. My apologies for even making this a shorter show because this is what we do. You know, I, I messed up, and there's, there's a lot more on the table that we didn't get a chance to get into. Daryl, I appreciate you being able to uh, grace us with your presence. Um, to all the listeners, continue listening. Let me also mention a couple of things, too, real quick. Uh, we have a lot more content out there. Daryl has an excellent piece, which I'm going to retweet out again because he has, he has that eidetic memory. Um, he brought up stuff I forgot, <laughs> which is what he does best. So go to AfroNerd.com and check out his, his, his piece, his synopsis on Afropunk from a few weeks ago. So he has an excellent play-by-play for 2018. So definitely check it out. Also, I have more clips for the YouTube channel. I have my thoughts about Wesley Snipes coming back, hopefully, coming back into the fold for the Blade character, whether it would be on Netflix or if it would be a main silver screen piece, that's on YouTube. Um, you know, Patreon is important, folks. Please, patreon.com forward slash Afronerd Radio so we can actually expand 
Daryl's involvement, myself, the captain, we can do more, more, uh, just, we can just do more work. I have a lot more ideas as far as locations and props, using props in quotes. It's just a lot of stuff I, ha- I, have, I have thoughts of. Getting us in an actual studio to mix it up on screen, on YouTube is, is a thing. Afternoon at the dark. We have a whole urban alternative media operation we're trying to put together here that is missing. This, I'm looking at the big picture, and for whatever reason, there's not a black collider. There's not a black screen rant. Not really. I'm looking at the big picture. So help us do this, people. Anyway, we'll be back again strong, live, and direct as it gets colder in NYC. Um, we always try to do our best. This is MF Doom, Mad Villain. Next Wednesday, 7 p.m. It's been real. That'll be the hour they knock the slick blaster. Dick Dastardly and Muttley with sick laughter. A gunfight and they come to cut the mix master. I-C-E cold. Nice to be old. Y-2-G-C twice to threefold. He sold scrolls low and behold. Know who's the illest ever like the greatest story told. Keep your glory gold and glitter. For half half of his niggas to take him out the picture. The other half is rich and it don't mean shit to Feeling a mixture between both with a twist of liquor, chase it with more beer. Taste it like truth for dear when he at the mic, it's like the place get like, oh yeah. It's like they know what's about to happen. Just keep your eye out like I eye capping. Is he still a fly guy clapping if nobody ain't hear it? And can they testify from in the spirit? And living the true gods, giving y'all nothing but the lick like two broads. Got more lyrics in the church, got ooh laws. And he hold the mic at your attention like two swords. Or you the one with two blades on it. Hey you, don't touch the mic like it's AIDS on it. Yeah, it's like the end to the means. Fuck type of message that sends to the fiends. That's why he bring his own needles. And get more cheese than Doritos, Cheetos or Fritos. Slip like Freudian, your first and last step to playing yourself like accordion. When he at the mic, you don't go next. Leaving pussy cats like why hoes need Kotex. Exercise index won't need both flex and won't take the one with no skinny legs like Joe Tex.